Hello and welcome to the Couch Potato Podcast. My name is Russ. Today's episode is going to be a little different than you are accustomed to hearing. I usually will have Lucas, or if Lucas can't join me, I'll have a special guest or two come on to talk about the movie that we have planned for this week, but Lucas was not able to join me today. Uh, Sometimes life gets in the way. We do have jobs and other obligations we do have to attend to first, even though I think the show's more important, but the show doesn't pay the bills, and I wasn't able to schedule a guest in enough time to get this out, so I'm going to fly this plane solo today. So this could either be an absolute train wreck, which will go down in history as one of the worst podcast episodes ever put out, or it might turn out decent. Who knows? Uh, you guys will have to be the judge of that. Today, we're going to do The Edge of Tomorrow, the 2014 sci-fi action movie that stars Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Really cool movie that I think is extremely underrated and doesn't get enough love out of the sci-fi and action community. So I figured we would do this one. So... After the, uh, the trailer, I give you the edge of tomorrow. I live the same day over and over. Come find me when you wake up. What day is it? Judgment day. I'm not a soldier. Not yet. I'll train you. All of humanity is at stake. We are not equipped for what's out there. Training is over. They know we're coming! <laughs> How many times have we been here? What are you not telling me? Edge of Tomorrow, rated PG-13. Tickets on sale May 21st. Okay, welcome to the Couch Potato Podcast. My name is Russ. Uh, You're just going to get me today. No Lucas, no special guest. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Uh, Feel free to turn it off if I put you to sleep or you find it to be absolutely horrible, but I'm going to give this the old college try because I do promise you guys an episode each week. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll consider this a learning experience for me one way or another. Uh, We're doing 2014's Edge of Tomorrow today. Uh, This is a movie that Lucas and I had been circling for quite a long time. We, I think we've had this on our schedule three or four different times, but we bumped it off for one reason or another. And uh, this week we didn't really have anything of note to put out, so we decided to do this one. Um, I know I first seen this movie, I think I got this as a free movie rental from Redbox, uh, our local grocery store on the back of their your receipt used to give you free movie rentals from the Redbox that was inside the store, so uh, being a Tom Cruise fan, I decided to use my free movie rental on Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I know when this movie came out in theaters, the, I don't know if it was the ad campaign or what, the trailers didn't look very appealing uh, it really didn't sell the premise very well. This is like kind of a Groundhog Day meets Starship Troopers style movie, which if they would have sold it on that, I'm sure it would have done much better at the box office. This movie was kind of a box office disappointment. Um, I know I didn't rush out to see it in movie theaters either. Um, so yeah, I used a free movie rental to check this one out and was pleasantly surprised enough to where uh, when I worked at a big blue box retail store back in my uh, youth, I immediately bought the uh, the Blu-ray the next day, which uh, I didn't, after I got married, I wasn't the one that would go out and buy movies as much as I did before I got married because I didn't have as much disposable income after marriage. You know, you got wife, kids, bills, etc. You just can't go out and buy 
$200 worth of Blu-rays every week. Um, but yeah, I know when the movie came out, uh, I know they usually, the posters even had, uh, in big font was live, die, repeat, which I think was a very cool name for the movie. They should have went with that versus the edge of tomorrow. The edge of tomorrow kind of sounds like a very generic sci-fi action movie. I think that's kind of what soured me on going to see this in theaters too. Uh, but yeah, uh, pleasantly surprised. I was surprised by how it just barely broke even. I know Tom Cruise is a huge star. I figured this would have done well overseas, but yeah, it barely broke even after you take into account uh, ad campaigns, uh, whether you're doing it print magazines, whether you're doing you know TV ads, radio ads, etc. This movie, I think, broke even. Because I don't know if you guys and gals know how movies make money, but if you calculate the budget, you usually have to double that to break even after ad campaigns and everything. So, yeah, this movie barely broke even. It's kind of a disappointment, especially for Tom Cruise. But, you know, at the time, uh, after his uh, couch-jumping incident on Oprah, which I think happened in 2005, uh, Tom Cruise hadn't really made anything memorable outside of the Mission Impossible movies and he had that awesome cameo in Tropic Thunder. I mean, I don't know how you feel about Tropic Thunder as a movie, but Tom Cruise is pretty awesome in that. You don't even recognize him. You know, he's got the bald cap. He's got these gigantic hairy knuckles. I mean, you wouldn't recognize that being Tom Cruise if you didn't know at the end of the trailer they say it's who it is. But, yeah, he hadn't really done anything of note. I mean, he was in Oblivion. He did that night and day movie with uh, Cameron Diaz, which I don't know, I kind of liked at the time, but revisiting that movie... Since then, kind of stinks. I think he did Valkyrie at this time. And then, of course, he did the Mission Impossible stuff. So, I know Tom Cruise really wasn't on uh, fire at the time either. Um, but, yeah, I think that this movie here, uh, out since 2005, I think this is the last great non-Mission Impossible role Tom Cruise has had, which uh, I think he's pretty much settled into... He's trying to be the Jackie Chan of America and basically just rely on the Mission Impossible franchises to stay relevant, which I'm not going to complain. I love the Mission Impossible movies. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've been extremely disappointed they keep pushing the new one back. Uh, Fallout, which came out a couple of years ago, I think is the best one in the series. It's one of those movie franchises where the movies just keep getting better the more they make. And I don't know. I, I'm expecting at some point them to send Tom Cruise into space and Tom Cruise will actually go into space to film some of that movie. So um, enough of me rambling on about uh, Edge of Tomorrow, how my feelings on it. Uh, we'll get into the categories. Uh, the Tale of the Tape. Uh, this movie was released on June the 6th, 2014. This stars Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, Bill Paxton, and Brendan Gleeson. Uh, this was directed by Doug Lyman, who you may know the name. He did Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He did Go. He did Swingers. Um, in this movie here, these are probably going to be the most recognizable titles from him. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, of course, you know, is the movie that brought us Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie together. Uh, if you have not seen Swingers and Go, I highly recommend as soon as you get done listening to my episode, if it doesn't put you to sleep or bore you to death, go check those two movies out. Those are fantastic movies that don't get enough love. Uh, both very, very underrated 90s classics. 
Uh, this movie has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 91% from critics and 90% from audiences. Uh, this movie made $370 million worldwide on a $178 million budget. So, yeah, like I said, it kind of a slight disappointment. Uh, maybe came in a little a little under what they expected. And, you know, Tom Cruise usually is a box office, you know, he's box office gold. He usually will turn a, a profit for your movie, which this one did not. Uh, did not win any awards, and surprisingly, this is a Warner Brothers title, and it is not on HBO Max. It's not on any streaming service at the moment. So that was kind of surprising when I looked that up. So uh, HBO Max, you kind of let us down on this one. You're usually my go-to. I pump you up every episode that we do. If there's a movie on your service, I highly recommend everyone check out your service, but you kind of let me down on this one. So luckily, I own a digital copy of this, so I was able to watch it that way. The Detective Somerset Research Corner. Uh, this movie is based off of a 2004 Japanese manga named All You Need Is Kill by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. I hope I pronounce his name right. I know uh, those of you that listen to us on a regular basis know that I usually fuck up somebody's name during an episode, so I hope I got that one right. I doubt he listens to this show. He's got more important things to do. But if I did not, I do apologize. Uh, Hiroshi based this movie on uh, video games and a strategy which I know I've done it before. I'm sure many of you that play video games have done this, especially as a kid. Uh, if you were in the middle of a game and you got killed, you'd restart the game. Uh, he did this. Uh, he based it off of the strategy of like resetting the game after you get killed until you find a strategy that works for you, which I think is kind of cool. I think all of us that play games can relate to that. So that's kind of cool. Um, this movie was released on June the 6th, 2014, which I did say earlier. Uh, if that date sounds familiar, that was the 70th anniversary of the D-Day invasion in Normandy, which if you see the beach sequence, it uh, has a lot of... It's inspired a lot by that. You might see a lot of uh, Saving Private Ryan in that too. But uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool little fun fact that they did it to commemorate that. Uh, Brad Pitt was approached by Warner Brothers to star in the lead as Bill Cage, but he turned it down. So once he declined, Tom Cruise was approached and he accepted the role. And it just made me wonder, Brad Pitt turned this down, and if Tom Cruise would have turned this down, would this movie have been made? Because I know this movie had been in kind of a developmental hell for a few years. They had trouble getting it off the ground. So I think them getting a big star like Tom Cruise helped get it made. But it just makes me wonder if he had said no, if this movie would have gotten made, which, thank you, Tom Cruise. I don't care what anybody says about you. You're a-okay in my book. Emily Blunt was pregnant during a portion of the film shoot. Uh, she knew she was pregnant after coming back to re do some reshoots after the initial shoot was done. And uh, I guess Tom Cruise approached her after he noticed that she was using a stunt double in a lot of the sequences that she would have normally done on her own. So Emily Blunt confided in Tom Cruise that she was pregnant, making Tom the only person outside of Emily Blunt's husband, John Krasinski, who you guys and gals may know is uh, from The Office. He's in Jack Ryan on Amazon. He was also in A Quiet Place. Um. Yeah, you guys are going to know him as Jim Halpert from The Office. And uh, a close family friend. I thought that was kind of cool. 
Uh, another little fun fact for you. This movie was filmed at Levitson Studios. I'm sure I fucked that pronunciation up. Um, this is the same location that Warner Brothers filmed all of the Harry Potter movies in London, which uh, I guess they were going to rent this at some point during the Harry Potter shoots, but opted just to buy the studio outright. And uh, a lot of the same sets that were used in Harry Potter remained. And you might catch something that might look a little familiar in Edge of Tomorrow. And the last fun fact that I have for you guys and gals is Jeremy Piven, who you may or may not know is Ari Gold from the Entourage television show off of HBO. Uh, he was cast after the initial shoot was completed, and they even filmed some stuff with him in it, but they cut him out of the, the final movie, which I guess is kind of a good thing. I really don't see where Jeremy Piven would fit into this. I, I mean... I don't really get why they they did that. They may not have been confident enough that they didn't have enough big names, but I don't know. I, I don't think it really affected the movie at all that his shit got cut out. I mean, Jeremy Piven is kind of a take-it-or-leave-it guy. He's awesome as uh, Ari Gold and uh, Entourage. Not a huge fan of him in anything else. He was kind of cool as the Dean in old school, but he was also the guy you like to hate too. So. so, yeah, those are all the fun facts I have. I know Lucas would usually chime in. With a couple here or there, but unfortunately, as I've said, Lucas is not here. So those are all the fun facts you get today. Um, anytime we uh, do any research, we usually uh, look them up on Google or uh, IMDb is where we get a lot of our stuff. So if there's anything else of uh, interest that you're, you want to learn about The Edge of Tomorrow, check out IMDb. They've got some cool stuff in there. I just None of that stuff really I thought would be pertinent to an episode. I just kind of cherry-picked the best ones. And if you guys have listened to this show before, I usually cherry pick the best ones for myself and I leave Lucas with all the scraps. So, and that's not going to change even if I'm doing this by myself. The uh, I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Uh, I kind of like the beach sequence. The first time uh, Tom Cruise's character is dropped onto the beach. I really like this scene simply because uh, Tom Cruise is known for being a, like a heroic character in most of his movies. I mean, he's Ethan Hunt in the Mission Impossible series. He's uh, Maverick and Top Gun. I mean, these are guys that you typically think of as like being heroes in the movies. But uh, Tom Cruise plays a coward. And as he's scared shitless to be on that plane, he doesn't want to be there to begin with. He tries numerous ways to get out of being put into combat, but he ultimately fails. So I think this sequence is kind of cool just because you get to see uh, Tom Cruise play someone against what he normally plays. Um, I mean, there's uh, some cool scenes in there, but that one's probably my favorite. Plus, uh, as I said, this movie was released on the anniversary of D-Day, and the beach sequence is pretty cool in itself. I think anytime you see, like, these gigantic, epic beach sequences, like, these huge war sequences, I always think those are kind of cool to see how they're shot. So, I don't know. That would be my pick. Um, if you disagree with that, please chime in. Uh, I hope I hear from you guys uh, to give me your thoughts on what you like about this movie. Uh, hit us up on our socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Uh, shoot us an email. Let me know whether you think I'm full of shit or you think that that beat sequence is awesome. I I kind of agree that I... I think Lucas, uh, when he sent me his initial notes, I think that was his favorite scene too. So 
Uh, Lucas kind of contributed a little bit. So there you go. Lucas and I both think that the beat sequence is the best. Therefore, we award that to the beat sequence. The I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough. Award for the worst or most unnecessary scene in the movie. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. I really couldn't think of anything that I would say that I would get rid of because a lot of the the scenes in the movie are different takes on the same scene. It's usually, um, like I said, the premise of Edge of Tomorrow is uh, Tom Cruise is stuck in a time loop and he keeps reliving the same day over and over and over again, kind of like Groundhog Day. And a lot of the sequences in this movie are just variations of the same take where he wakes up and then he's greeted by a very very loud and rude drill sergeant who tells him to get on his feet maggot. And then of course that sets off the chain of events that lead to the uh, beat sequence and him discovering what is going on. He ends up meeting the Emily Blunt character, so on, so on. So yeah, I don't really think that there's a scene I would cut out just because like it's essentially the sequences are a play on the same scene. So I really couldn't think of anything I would take out of the movie. I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, uh, it would just be nitpicking if I did. So I'm just I'm going to spare you guys the nitpicking on this one, okay? But yeah, there's nothing I would of note that I would cut out. So yeah, nothing I'd get rid of. The uh, this new award this used to be the King Kong and Got Shit on Me award, but we recently did change this to the Dylan You Son of a Bitch award, which is a, a nod to Arnold Schwarzenegger's Predator, which you can listen to. On Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, wherever you get podcasts. We did an episode right before Christmas on Predator, which I'm very proud of. Love that movie. Uh, a little bit better than this one, I think, but still both awesome sci-fi movies. Dylan! You son of a bitch. Um, I nominated uh, Come Find Me When You Wake Up from Rita who's played by Emily Blunt. Uh, I nominated that one simply because it seems to be, this sets off the chain reaction that like Bill knows that uh, he, he isn't the only person that's ever experienced this. And it's somebody that can help him figure out how to get out of the time loop. And it kind of sets forth the rest of the movie. Uh, that would be my nominee. Uh, some of Bill Paxton stuff's really good where uh, I know um, Tom Cruise asked him if he's an American. He goes, no, sir, I'm from Kentucky, which uh, Bill Paxson delivers his lines in a, a southern accent, and being the hard-ass uh, sergeant, uh, you kind of expect it out of someone like him. That sounds like something that that type of character would say. So that would be my nominee, and since no one is here, that's going to be the winner, which most of my nominees are going to be the winner since I have no one to bounce off ideas. And I hope you guys are not uh, tired of listening to me yet drone on drone on. Uh, I do appreciate you sticking that out. Uh, the McLovin Award for the Best Supporting Performance. I am McLovin. Um, I nominated Bill Paxton, Sergeant Farrell. Um, his character is kind of like the typical drill sergeant that you see in most movies, whether it be like a sci-fi war movie, uh, you know, Vietnam movie, a Gulf War movie, a World War II movie, just the hard-ass sergeant who gets the respect of his battalion, but yet you don't want to cross him. But it's Bill Paxton. And anytime you get Bill Paxton in a movie, 
that's an automatic win. So, I mean, the minute we decided we were going to do this movie, I, I knew that my McLovin Award winner was going to be Bill Paxton. That's a no-brainer. Brendan Gleeson's pretty good, too. He's kind of like the slimy, uh, what is he, like the, the general of the, uh, the whole world army that's trying to battle these uh, mimics. Uh, he's kind of good in it. But uh, those two are the only performances that I would maybe say that stand out amongst the supporting roles. But I'm going to give the nod to Bill Paxton just because Bill Paxton is awesome. And Brendan Gleeson can't hold a candle to Bill Paxton. Sorry. Sorry, Brendan Gleeson, if you listen to the show, which I know you don't. You're a terrific actor, but until you start in a movie where you are chasing tornadoes with Helen Hunt and you see a cow get caught up in a twister, you're never going to top Bill Paxton. Uh, the Eric Stoltz Award for the performer that you would recast. Uh, we typically, here lately, we haven't been uh, nominating anybody simply because we just can't think of anybody to nominate. Uh, there's no particular role that I would recast, but I would have maybe have liked to have seen someone from the J Squad uh, get recast as someone maybe of like that you would recognize. Uh, maybe it's like a an actor that kind of had a little bit of a, a, a cup of coffee that he was kind of big for a little bit, but then he's kind of faded back into the you know into the background a bit. Or someone that was up and coming, like now they would be a big star, but they weren't quite on the cusp of that yet. I would have liked to have seen that because. Honestly, I haven't seen anybody that was a member of the J Squad in anything else except this movie. I mean, I don't think it would have... You could have kept most of the people, but I don't think it would have hurt to recast someone in that role that you, you know you might recognize. You know, it, it could have been, you know... Oh, I, I'm trying to draw... Like Michael, Michael B. Jordan. I don't know if he was super... Big yet at this point. I don't think Fruitvale Station came out in 2014. Yeah, someone like Michael B. Jordan would have been good in one of the J-Squad roles because, I mean, Michael B. Jordan now, phenomenal actor, A-lister for sure. Yeah, he was like, oh, hey, I remember him. He had that bit rolling Edge of Tomorrow. But, I mean, what do I know, right? But, yeah, I mean, outside of that, I couldn't think of anybody that I would recast for certain. But, yeah, it would have been nice to get someone in the J-Squad Maybe someone that you would recognize. Um, I'm sure that someone's going to chime in and tell me, like, oh, yeah, you don't remember seeing yada, yada, yada and such and such. No, I don't. I would have not mentioned this if I knew someone from that yada, yada, yada movie. Um, the Unsolved Mysteries of the Movie. Uh, sorry if I'm going through these categories kind of quick, gang. I just <laughs> It kind of stinks not having someone to bounce off ideas, so I'm pretty much just rattling off shit that I like. Uh, like I said, I hope you guys enjoy this one. I'm kind of a little nervous doing this on my own. I, I hope I hope that you guys find enjoyment out of this episode. I have a feeling this is probably not going to be well-received, but like I said, I'd like to give you guys something each and every week. So, uh, the unsolved mysteries of the movie. Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. The only one I had was uh, how long was Bill in the time loop? <clears throat> I mean, you kind of get an idea of how many times he's been killed. I think I 
I counted 24, 25, 26, somewhere in that neighborhood, how many times he was killed in the movie and re, uh, respawn, but they don't really go into detail how long he was stuck in that. I'm going to guess he was in there for quite a while. I think, uh, yeah, in the research that I did in the novel, he was in that time loop for 160 days, which what that's about uh, a little less than half a year. So, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. He was stuck in there long uh, to be able to read and react as quickly as he does to situations that he's lived over and over again. Uh, I know he had to have been in there for quite a while because I know, I, for me, like there's stuff that I've done hundreds of times and I still would not be able to get it right each and every time. So, I mean, the fact that he was able to, uh, like his first meeting with Rita, he's able to shoot the two mimics, like he knew exactly where they were going to be. He's able to shoot and kill them immediately. And then like later on when he gets into a, a tussle with a member of the J squad, he's able to duck this guy's punches and even close his eyes while doing so. Yeah, it, it yeah, he had to been in there for quite a while. Um, I mean, yeah, if you guys get any, uh, advice or any input on how long he was, you think he was in there? I'd love to hear from you. Uh, this would be the episode that I hope that I hear quite a bit of feedback and discussion from you guys since I'm doing this alone. I would love to be able to talk back and interact with you guys. So, uh, it'd be kind of like you, each and every one of you that's listening is like the guest on this episode. Just look at it like that, but we're doing it after the fact. And, uh, this might be a one that we do a redo on down the road. If this thing stinks the way I think it's going to turn out. Um, the last award that we do dish out is the I'm the king of the world for who wins the movie. I'm the king of the world! Um, I know Emily Blunt has a very strong case for this simply because uh, she usually in these, like especially with a Tom Cruise movie, uh, the female lead has to play second fiddle to him doing all of his hero shit. Uh, they're usually like the love interest or the comic relief, but uh, Emily Blunt is a badass in this movie, and she's, I always liken her as the hero of this movie. I mean, she's even called Full Metal Bitch and the Angel of Verdun, so she's got two cool nicknames, and plus, like, you've seen her in action. She's pretty much single-handedly wins a battle for the Army during these, so I think that's really cool, and just, uh, she's kind of like a very strong female character in a Tom Cruise movie and actually like a lot of the, the heavy lifting action wise Tom Cruise gets to take a back seat to her which I thought was kind of refreshing but at the end of the day I think I would have to give this award to Tom Cruise um, just because like I said earlier I think this is probably the best role he's had that's not a Mission Impossible movie in quite a long time I think since maybe War of the Worlds I think came out early two thousand. And five, but since then, out if it's not a Mission Impossible movie, it hasn't really been anything worthwhile. I mean, like he did American Made, that was kind of a cool movie, but I mean, do you honestly remember that? Uh, Oblivion, I thought it was kind of boring. Night and Day, like I said, I thought it kind of stunk. Uh, he had the Tropic Thunder cameo. Yeah, if it's not Mission Impossible, it's like no one's really giving a shit about Tom Cruise at this point. So I think for that, just just this being his best role and 
like I mentioned earlier, he kind of a plays against type. He's kind of a coward in a good chunk of this movie, which it's, like I said, like you don't see that out of Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is always the knight in shining armor. He's always the hero of his movies. And now he's playing a fucking, just a real, like, weasel. I thought it was kind of cool to see. And it was just, you're kind of taken aback the first time you've seen it. I, I just think for that, and him willing to do that, is uh, I know he has a, uh, a reputation to maintain. He's the hero. And like basically, that's that's what's buttering his bread at this point, just being the hero of action movies. So the fact that he was willing to take a chance and do something different, kind of like spoof his typical roles, I thought was kind of cool to see. Uh, so that that would be who wins that award for me. So uh, uh, I think this is a first for the Couch Potato Podcast. Uh, one member of the panel has a clean sweep of all the awards. Uh, not a single... Uh, all of my nominees win, which I thought was kind of cool. Thank you so much for being uh, gracious, Lucas, for not showing up and let me win uh, all the awards for this episode. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed this one. Like I said, I, I was a little nervous doing this on my own. I was actually thinking of scrapping it all together and just not putting out an episode this week, but I kind of don't want to do that. I like to... I, I like to be able to put out content each and every week. Cause I know the few people that do listen to this, they seem to enjoy it to where they're tuning in each week. So whether the episodes are good or not, I mean, I still want to put something out there. This could be, like I said, this could be one that we decide to do a redo later on, a redux, if you will. Uh, so we can get Lucas on. So him and I can do it together and maybe beef this bad boy up a little bit. Cause this is, going to be on record our shortest episode it's looking like it's going to be around 35 minutes so um but yeah uh that's going to wrap up this week's episode uh nothing i really need to add except for if you have not seen edge of tomorrow i highly recommend it i know there's been talks of a sequel they keep they keep saying like whenever tom cruise or emily blunt or doug lyman are interviewed they keep saying that it's getting ready to start filming and it still hasn't come to fruition yet uh, like I said, with the current state of the film industry, I don't see a big studio taking a chance on something like this at this point, considering that the first version did not do well. Uh, and I don't see Tom Cruise doing a Netflix movie. I have seen Stranger Things. Tom Hanks has Apple movies now. He's done two of them. So, I mean, it could happen, but I doubt it. So, so if you have not seen Edge of Tomorrow, I highly recommend it. And I thank you guys for tolerating me for half an hour. I hope I did not put you to sleep. I hope I gave you a little bit of fun facts, little tidbits. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So until next week, we will talk to you guys later. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, If you don't follow us, uh, we are available on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Google, wherever you get podcasts, uh, if you would be so kind, if you like what we're doing here, be sure to tell all your friends and your neighbors about what's going on over here and leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. That's how we get discovered. That's how we can grow and become more popular and make these episodes better. Uh, and in the event of this movie here, uh, if I could not get Lucas, maybe I could get someone from the movie to come on and do it with me since... 
you guys are like so awesome and dropping us five star reviews that we're getting noticed. Um, I know next week, I think we were either going to do Fast Five or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I haven't made up my mind yet. It really depends on whether I can get a special guest to join me for uh, Fast Five. If he is able to do it, that's going to definitely be the one we're doing. Because uh, we pushed back uh, our Fast and Furious episodes a couple times. I kind of want to do one. So uh, just follow us on our socials, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. I'll release that here in the next couple days, let you know which one we're doing for sure. So uh, until next Tuesday, we will talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.